just aren't where or who you want to be. Welcome to your podcast, Real Confidence. I'm your host, Alyssa DeVere, and I'll be sharing a bit of brain science, some surprising social secrets, and a touch of tough love. Why? Because I believe confidence is everyone's fundamental right and choice. Let's get to it. Psych, 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 because, you know, 350 some odd coaches have come through the ACI certification program, personally trained them myself. And every now and then there's somebody that just like pops out as something extraordinary. Karen Donaldson went, I don't even know how many years, Karen, you went through the program, but girlfriend, you have been somebody I have kept my eyeball on ever since. And so here we get the pleasure of meeting you today in this grander scheme of the podcast. So I'm going to toss you the proverbial ball and let you tell people what you do. And let's just get into this confidence area of presentation stuff. So what do you do for a living, my friend? I'm so happy to be here, but let me answer your question. I'm going to tell you the fancy name. So I am Karen Donaldson, a celebrity communication, body language, and confidence coach. So minus all the, the nice language, this is what I do. I support people and remind people that they were born with confidence. And I show them how to refine and reclaim their confidence so they can show up as the most powerful and confident version of themselves in any situation, in any setting, so they can move from what's actually in their head and allow it to come out of their mouth because their voice is worthy and their voice needs to be heard. So that's exactly what I do. You know, I get goosebumps just listening <laughs> to your girlfriend. And now my audience is so like, this is why Alyssa picked you. You know what? There's a bazillion people out there. I know at least a bazillion myself. They teach presentation coaching. They don't all do with celebrities, needless to say, but everybody's got their take and they're all good in their own way. You have a really different approach to this. It's part of it just came through in what you said here. Uh, I think you know the answer to this question for this reason. Like, what is it about speaking and presenting that just wigs people out? Like, what is the reason? Good question. Like, here's the number one reason. We have been inundated by this stat that 77, 70% of, of the population fears public speaking or they'd rather actually die than speak publicly. And I always call it out. Listen, I'm going to say it. I hope you don't mind. That's bullshit. <laughs> Amen, sister. <laughs> essence of we've been groomed and encouraged to believe that this is how it should be for all of us. And it's not necessarily true. And I'm, you know, we're all about self-belief. And beliefs are simply a thought you keep thinking over and over and over, or a message you keep hearing over and over and over and over again. So because we're inundated by this, people re you know, reiterate it everywhere we go, we think it's true for us. And what happens is we're ingrained thinking that I should fear public speaking. So as soon as we walk into or someone says, can you speak up? Can you present? Can you lead the meeting? We go into this fight or flight mode. And, and when we go into that, that flight mode, our body goes into that freeze mode. And there's a whole bunch of other things that happen in our brain and our stress hormones. But it's this massive stat that's been pushed around and people haven't really paused and asked themselves, you know, one question is this, have I actually had a, a negative or a bad public speaking experience? Or is this someone else's story 
that I believe to be true for myself. And that's where it starts and stops. Yeah, I hear you. And, you know, I, I often say to people that when you change the mindset from they're not there to judge me, they're there to learn something. And I was asked to teach them or give them something, you know, hello. So, you know, one thing that I find fascinating, you work with some really smart people, some celebrity people, as you said, but these people that have been recognized as experts, and yet they're still wigged out by speaking. What, what is the thing that they tell you? Like they say they can't, or they don't want to, or they, what are they fearing? What did they think they're fearing? You know, it's a really good question. I love this question because they're human just like us. So they've put, been put up on this pedestal around us. And when I often, or the one similar thing across the board with, you know, the majority of them is that they are a bag of nerves before they speak, but they've either, either learned to mask it really well or step into something like an alter ego. And they completely dissociate how they show up, show up in real life with how they show up you know, when they speak in front of a group, when they have to do a large meeting and they kind of put on a performance or act so they can defer any judgment that comes their way, they can brush it off because that wasn't truly me. That's just my stage presence. And it's that whole faking piece. But you know, what I hear from them is that it's draining, right? And they actually want to become more confident when they speak up, when they show up, when they speak in general, whether it's two people, 20 people, 200 people. And for some people I work with 20,000 or 2000 people, they want to feel comfy in their own skin more often, if not all the time. All right. So we're going to hit the obvious question, which I get asked all the time, which is, can you fake it to your make it? And you kind of said sort of not really, maybe, uh, and you know me well enough. Like I'm like, you cannot fake it. People are going to know it. Even if you're an Academy Award actress or actor, like they're going to see it through at some point, but you kind of said, that they're kind of getting away with it, but it's draining. So what is your fundamental belief? Can you fake it till you make it? I have the same answer as you. Yes, no, maybe, maybe kind of not really <laughs> for a certain amount of time. I always say this, if you're putting your emphasis into faking it, you may as well put the same effort into learning how to show up and choosing how you show up because it's more energy. To, there's more energy taken from a person when they fake it. Right. I, I know for myself and the clients that I work with and, you know, it's not only celebrities and C-suite executives. I work with everyday freaking amazing people and I hold them at the same high status, whether it's a stay at home mom, mid manager, employee. I don't care. We we're born amazing, but it's the same messaging. But for some people, they give themselves a stage name or a stage kind of a moniker and it gives them that internal permission to just be and show up in a way that it doesn't matter how it's judged, judge, as I was saying before, and, and that's how they fake it. But they're, they're tired, as I shared, they're tired of turning it on and off, right? So it's choosing or having the conversation and they have to say yes to wanting to do this as to stop taking the time and, and turning this on and off, right? And focusing on totally shifting it and choosing how they show up and really calling it out. How do you feel in this situation? Where does, what's the root of it? And what are we going to do about it so you can shift it, right? And for some people, this whole fake confidence is I need to fake it because five years ago, two weeks ago, 25 years ago, I had this bad public speaking experience and they're literally living in it. So it depends on how someone comes to me around this whole faking it, but you can't do it forever. You just can't do it forever. Well, not just forever. I, I love what you said. It's so true. But 
there are circumstances. So I, I teach a lot of pitch training. I did one last week. And one of the things that I could see some eyeballs open, which is you can practice a pitch to your blue in the face and it comes out perfectly, right? Even a Ted talk for that matter. But in a pitch competition where most pitches fail, where people don't win is in the Q and a because they haven't been able to practice it, right? They, they can't fake it. So, you know, I would say that even if you're a really good faker and you're willing to put the energy in, there's going to be some day that you're too tired, that your brain can't process fast enough, that it's all of a sudden you're going to crack. You know, there's going to be that opening where people are going to be like, oh, they're full of crap, right? right. And or there's a circumstance or situation, you know, you get flustered for whatever reason, your computer fails or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, you know, the truth, that's where that authenticity all of a sudden shows up and people freak out because they're not prepared for it. So let me ask you, you know, aside from somebody who's really polished and, you know, professional actor or, or all that aside, when you are coaching somebody who is come to you and said, like, I'm not a good speaker, or I don't like contributing in meetings, what's the telltale sign? Like, what, what is it that tells them that, or shows up that really is the, 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 the thing like, Hey, don't do that. The first thing is this really good question. Um, the first thing is that they're literally outwardly saying, you know, I suck. I'm a crappy speaker. I'm going to mess up that whole self-deprecation, that self-criticism that sets you up to go downhill. So that's something that has to be controlled. When I see a speaker and they're ready to go on and they're that this is the only conversation. Think about this. This you're just, fueling your belief that you're going to mess up and you increase the likelihood of you messing up. So that's that outward piece. When I'm watching someone and I see things, I always say, number one, make sure you're making eye contact with the people that you're speaking with. And that can bring in a whole level of stress for people. And I say, you know, depending on when you grew up, what era, some people say, look at the top, top of people's heads, look in between their eyes, look at their nose. And I always advise against that because it looks like you're looking at my nose. Then all of a sudden the audience is insecure. You're, you have a one-on-one meeting with your manager and you're looking in between their eyes and all of a sudden they're touching their face. They're totally distracted. They didn't even hear what you said. And it's real. <laughs> it sounds funny, but it's so real. It's so real. So make the eye contact, right? Allow it to be casual as if you're speaking with a good friend. The other thing that I always tell people, and this comes down to body language, as you know, I do uh, coaching in that area as well. When we fidget and we touch ourselves, like overly touch ourselves. So we rub our legs, we continually rub our hands, we touch our neck. This is a telltale sign that someone's nervous. It's essentially a self-soothing gesture, right? And the other thing that I, I want to make note of are people, for people to be conscious of, to not showcase it, is you either speak too fast and or your sentences are fused together. And what people see is that you wanna rush through this, you want it to be over as soon as possible and you cannot finish soon enough. That applies not just to stage work, of course, we we (laughs) kind of setting this up as people who are staying on stage, but this applies if you're in a meeting, if you're having a one-on-one, right? Definitely, definitely. It can be with, you know, it can be with your, it could be in a social setting. Like we always talk about speaking as if it's this grandiose affair. We speak every day. And, and that's what I pull out of people. You speak every day. And when you speak, whether it's a meeting, you're, you want to share your opinion. No one's looking for perfection. People just want to hear what you have to say. 
So we have to start taking that pressure off of ourselves and, and say no one's looking for this fabulous expert, you know, up there, especially nowadays. People want people who are relatable. People just want to hear from people. People want to hear that I hear what you know, what you've done, and I want you to support me so I can do it too. And when there's that big gap between that whole us and them and, and you speaking at the front of the room or raising your hand and knowing it all, that doesn't cut it anymore. Oh, Focus on connecting with people more so than this perfection that we have in our head. Absolutely. Well, and I was even coaching somebody this morning and she was all paranoid about her virtual background. And I was like, oh, those are so passe. Like, like we want to see where you live. We want to see, you know, stuff on your walls and, you know, and there is that authenticity, but I think it's also getting rid of all that polish, all that practice, all that stuff that could be a fake. So, you know, talk to me a little bit. You've been coaching and working with people for a while and have had more stories, I'm sure that will fuel many books to come, but any particular stories that you can share where like literally you flipped a switch for them in some mental, you know, cognitive way, told them the stuff you just told us and magical things happen. What was the magical things that happen? I mean, it's amazing, right? What can change? Oh, it is. It is. And, and for me, and I'll share a story in a moment. It's all around your mindset. I always ask people, it's a pause exercise and I encourage anyone listening to do it as well. Quite often we've never challenged what we believe to be true about ourselves as a speaker. And when I say speaker, my friends, forget about stage, speaking up, speaking at a meeting, asking for time off from work, or maybe you leading a meeting. Often what we believe about ourselves as a speaker is negative, or as I shared, driven by this statistic that we hear. And often it's not ours, we haven't chosen it. So I want you to pause and say, okay, what do I think? Of myself as a speaker and if it's nothing supportive you want to ask yourself and, and identify well it's come from oh my parent telling me I was a chatterbox and to be quiet all the time it's actually the statistic because I've actually never spoken in front of a group so do the pause exercise and just acknowledge if it's your story or not and then there's your opportunity to choose what you want to say to yourself before you speak so instead of the I suck you know most people mess up when they speak you, you change it and you shift it and you choose it and you're saying something more supportive, supportive defined by you, right? You know, I know what I'm talking about. I'm going to share what I know and that's it. That's all I'm committing to. I just change that conversation because that will start to recreate your current chosen belief, your supportive belief. Now, th the other thing that I want to share, and it's a story more so, I want to lean into that people connect with people. People actually connect with people when they make mistakes. Don't you, in the essence that they want to hear from someone who's not perfect because the person listening on the other end isn't perfect either. They want to know that you're human. So I want, once went to work with a client and he was a manager and he had to speak in front of different groups and he actually hated it, but it was a part of his role and this is what he got paid to do. So to pay the mortgage, he had to fulfill on his role. But nonetheless, he, his perception was that, you know, people were judging him because he made more money than them as a manager and he didn't know how to connect. And he always wanted a perfect presentation and he was one of those people who memorized it. And I always advise against memorizing. You want to know core concepts, but I advise against memorizing. Nonetheless, we let go of all the previous public speaking coaching he received. And I said, let's have you show up as a human being. Sounds funny. And I, I asked him, like, who is in your audience? 
how can you connect better with who's in your audience? And he said, you know, I have a lot of parents. I know people have a lot of kids. Almost all of my staff has kids. They're around my age, but they don't know that I have kids. And like, well, why wouldn't they know that? He's like, well, there's never an opportunity to talk about it. And I said, well, that's a connection point. When we can find connection points where we can show we're just alike, that will allow people who are listening to take down the barrier. And that actually takes down the, your stress as well, because you're just talking about yourself. So the way he started his presentations in front of, sometimes it was two people and sometimes it was 200. He felt the same way, right? Just as nervous either way, was just connecting as a human being. He literally asked the question, he's like, who here has kids? All of a sudden, you know, 90% of the audience raised their hand. Now, all of a sudden there's a synergy, there's a connectedness. And then he talked about having a teenager who, and for him, he was having teenager problems and, you know, the kids saying whatever and closing the room door before he was finished speaking. And he shared an experience and the whole audience laughed and they loved it because their teenager just did it last week, yesterday or today as well. And then all of a sudden the barrier went down, his stress level went down and then he could go in and he literally called it out. I just want to share this information because it will help us work together and move X, Y, Z together. So just connecting as a human being, let go of being perfect and know that, I will say this as well, go in knowing that you'll make mistakes. Don't try and avoid them because that adds another layer of stress. Just say to yourself, mistakes are okay. I speak all the time online, you know, media, whatever. I stutter sometimes, but it doesn't matter because I've said to myself, it doesn't matter because the other content that I'm sharing will help someone out there. So yeah. I started and I have fun with yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. So, you know, I, I, lo- I just love your energy. It just, it, it's fantastic. And, you know, I think part of it is that energy that you bring is that it in a cell, you could be saying anything and your energy is confident. You know, for me, one of the turning points as I started doing a lot of public speaking about a hundred years ago, um, was taking the idea that it's not nerves and anxiousness, but excitement and energy. And, you know, neurologically speaking, they are the same. It does depend on how you want to view it. And, and so going on stage is that excitement to share what I have to say that I've been asked and honored with that opportunity and just changing that mindset. So that was one of my biggest kind of like ahas as a speaker changed my game. Any particular one that's just changed your game? You know, you speak all the time. Like you said, what, what's the magic for you? Oh, I'm going to be fully honest here. So I'm going to let you know what happens to me before I speak all the time. Even if I do a sit down virtual interview for TV or something, I similar to you and I get butterflies in my stomach and I start to sweat. I'm, I'm sharing too much information, but I love you all. <laughs> I sweat under my arms and down my back. I could be sitting here doing nothing. And for most people, they want to reduce or remove that feeling. I need that feeling because I've reframed, similar to you, that nervous feeling that people call nervous, that tells me I'm ready. So when I feel the butterflies, yes, I feel it every single time. And that sweat starts to drip down my back in my head. I'm saying, I'm ready. All right, let's go. I'm ready. Where some people, most people have been just groomed to internalize that as, as you said, as nervousness. So what if we're supposed to feel this way before we present, right? And that's my self-talk. Yep, Karen, you're ready, you're sweating. That's what it means. You are ready to present. <laughs> we're wet, we're ready. <laughs> you know, and I'll tell you one more secret. One of the reasons I wear black, I, I perform, when I speak, I wear black and I often wear dresses. It's so you can't see my sweat spots, everybody. 
That is too much information. Got but allowed and see the sweat. That's what I was told in some ad, right? You know. Anyway, I love that. I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, um, we could talk forever. We're kind of at our 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 home stretch here, and I, you know, I just gotta kind of ask you this personally. You know, you are a force, like I said in the beginning, like a standout force. You have come into this world with this gift and, you know, what is the one thing, you know, we're going to put contact information for people to reach you and all, but like, give them a gem today, something that they can do right now to be more like you confident, beautiful, energetic presenter, extraordinaire, anything that they can do right now. I would say this, I would say, don't try and be like me. I would say really choose how you want to show up and put your focus on how you want to show up and stop putting your focus on all the things that could happen and how you don't want to show up. Because quite often when we talk about it, it's, we talk about everything that could go wrong and everything that we don't want to happen. Once we make that switch and we start the conversation with, I've got this. I know what I'm talking about. I'm excited. I can't wait to share these three things. That's what will happen for us. So lay off of that self-criticism. Lay off of it's not going to work. Lay off, I'm, off of I'm nervous and choose. And that's the important word here. It's not going to happen to you. You have to choose it. And it will take a bit of time, but it's the choice that matters. And every time that negativity shows up, you're going to choose it again. And last but, all, last but uh, not least is just be human. People want you all your quirks, I have small wrists, I don't care. Just have fun with it and be human and connect with people. And you can't fail when you're just being yourself. You know, I tossed you that bone. It wasn't intentional, but like in my next life, I am coming back as Karen Donaldson, just saying. <laughs> but your answer, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And anyone who's listening, you know now why I pick this amazing human being to be on this podcast, because you know what? Um, it, it is hard not to look at somebody as beautiful and spectacular as you and be like, oh, I suck. But you know what? The genuineness that you shared today. Thank you for everybody. Thank you for everybody. It was such an honor and you're so welcome and anytime. So before we completely wrap up, I want to let you know that full transcripts and show notes for this and other episodes can be found on the website, www www.americanconfidenceinstitute.com forward slash podcast. I also want to remind you once again, that the best way to get confidence for yourself is to give it to others. And you can do it so easily just by liking and sharing this episode on your favorite social media channels. You can even give me some confidence fuel by sending in any comments about the topics I've covered or ones you'd like me to consider for the future. So for now, this is Alyssa DeVere. Thank you for helping to bring more confidence to the world. This podcast was produced by Mindful Media. All rights reserved by Alyssa DeVere and the American Confidence Institute. Music written and performed by Jeff Weinstein.